Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LuckyLandSlots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Worldwide. Every weight class. It's Lewis Heaton. Uh-huh. Whiskey Bynum. Uh-huh. It's the Boxer Rush Hour Show. Hosted by Abraham Gonzalez. You know what you came for? Yes, indeed. This where you come to get your info. Listen up. Other shows throwing yeah. a towel. It's the Box and Rush Hour Show. Let's go. In the ring, we throw hands, octagon, elbows. Analytical, critical commentary is necessary. A bevy of opinions. We heavy on the winning. This podcast is to break down the pay-per-view. For Box and Purvis, you'll let this man through. We rise right, surprise sight at the prize fight. Hands taped up and gloves tied tight. Ring the bell, want some, get some, let the chips fall where they may, work with yours from. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Boxing Rush Hour Show. I'm your host, Abraham Gonzalez. As always, intro music by Lewis Heaton. And the uh, podcast is powered by nyfights.com. Boxing coverage from around the world with an NYC edge. Visit nyfights.com. For details and ProBox TV. ProBox TV is a new boxing streaming service that provides two to three live events per month, original documentaries, behind the scenes content, along with a podcast that includes um, boxing greats Paulie Malignaggi, Antonio Tarver, and Roy Jones Jr. Visit ProBoxTV.com for details. All right, we have a great show today. Uh, the one and only senior writer from BoxingScene.com, Jake Donovan, is on here. Uh, we cover a whole bunch of different things. You're going to really enjoy this one. Uh, and I, I don't think we've we left any stone unturned. So uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Jake Donovan. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Boxing Rush Hour show. My next guest is senior writer for BoxingScene.com, and uh, VP, BWAA, um, is the uh, is the people's champ, I'm going to say, because <laughs> everybody on Twitter loves this guy. Um, but uh, my next guest is uh, Jake Donovan. How you doing? Hey, man, so, such a pleasure to be on here, man. You're doing so many great things. Um, really honored to be on the show, man. Thanks for having me on. You know, thank you. Thank you, Jake, for saying that. Uh, I, I do really appreciate that. Um, before we get into any of the boxing stuff, I've always I'm always interested in knowing a little bit about um, some of the uh, relevant um, uh, media folks out there that, uh, you know, that engage with everybody. And and I know that you have, you know, some some different a variety, interesting type of type of background. So give us a little mm-hmm. bit of a bio blast. 
Okay, yeah, definitely. So you and I were birthed in the same place, same corner of the world, right? Both come from the Bronx. Yep, straight from the boogie down. So from there, um, I always joke, it's not a joke, it's kind of sad, but you know, we moved every time the rent was due, basically. So I went from the Bronx to Coney Island, Coney Island to Canarsie, Canarsie to Laurelton, made my way out to Long Island. So I lived in Bethpage, Farmingdale, Amityville, Copeg, Babylon, and then finally made my way down south. I got, um, not to jump too far ahead, so... Um, like yours, and you know, thank you for your service. You know, I, I haven't done it like you, man. More than two decades, you know, serving Uncle Sam, man. God bless you, bro. <laughs> but um, I did, you know, three years in the U.S. Army. Got out, um, you know, got a job with a company. We did all this, the printing for um, Warner Brothers companies. So I worked my way up through that company, and that actually led me to being transferred down to Nashville. So when music, country music, started growing beyond, you know, the South, they wanted someone on site, so they sent me from New York to Nashville. So um, I worked for them for another eight years down here. They closed up shop. I was always writing in the meantime. And then, um, you know, I've just been kind of finding my way ever since then. And, you know, really just growing as a boxing writer. So I still work for an advertising agency now as well. They treat me very well. So juggling two full-time jobs, man. It's You know how it is on the boxing grind, man. We're busier than ever. So it's been tough. But, you know, I, I'm grateful, man. Just, you know, I've really made, been able to make a name for myself through boxing, you know. So it's, um, you know, I always joke if we were like, you know, footballscene.com, it's not like I'm going to be sent to the, the Super Bowl, you know. So... <laughs> You know, we're both in a good place, though, man. You know, it's like I said, it's, it's you know, we both get to make a living out of this. So it's, you know, really is a blessing. So but that's, you know, the very long road that that led me here. I did try to box for a minute. You know, while I was in the Army. Um, I ran up a record of 11 and four. I had four stoppages. My very last fight, um, I thought I was fighting a guy that was nine and all. Apparently, my German wasn't as crisp as I thought. The guy was 0 and nine. Never came close to winning and ran my ass out the ring. So that was it was at that moment. I said, you know what, Jake, you're a better writer than a fighter. Know your place in this sport. So yeah, was it just was was it one of those situations where you're like uh uh what was it like in the movie The Fighter where he says this guy just got off the couch? <laughs> oh, right, yeah, basically. <laughs> so the guy did wind up going, he was a journeyman when he went pro, but he did wind up fighting. He was one of those guys that shouldn't have fought for a world title, but he did. So at least I can kind of hang my hat on that. Yeah. So now, yeah, now, but, now, let me ask you this, looking back at, um, you know, uh, Jake as a, uh, I don't know if you went in as 18 or 19 or whatever, um, into the army, 19. So Jake as a 19 year old in the army, what was, what was that mindset, uh, like, and where were you stationed at? All right. So I did, <laughs> this is what's funny about, you know, cause lefty and MBO, they went down to Alabama a couple of weeks ago and it reminded me when I did basic training at Fort McClellan in Anniston, Alabama. So I went straight as this, you know, punk teenager from New York, thinking I knew everything about the world. Meanwhile, I never left New York except for one baseball trip to Florida. Went down south where I heard all sorts of things. I mean, you know, Yankee was the nicest thing they called me. So, I mean, people, like I said, I, I've always rolled Boricua culture. I am a white boy, but, you know, I, I never heard the word, you know. Well, they call me wetback down there. because I guess they couldn't figure out what, you know, what to call a Puerto Rican, right? So. Even though I'm not, but <laughs> yes, I've heard that for Wigger and just all sorts of not. Yeah, it was like that. That was a real eye opener being down in, in Fort McClellan. So that's like in the, the armpit of Alabama. And wow. then for AIT, I moved up northern Alabama to uh, Huntsville, okay. Alabama. So that, that was pretty live. That, that was almost like a college town was growing uh, at the time. And then from there, I went over to Germany. We did a pit stop in Panama. So it was after the conflict, after they finally you know, did what they had to do. So we went over there for cleanup, went to Germany for a bit. Then when Saudi Arabia operations as a storm broke out, I was there to set up the ammunition stars, uh, you know, the stations and all that. I didn't see a day of combat in either one, but I do have two combat patches. I don't take credit for it though. Cause you know, like the guys like you, Jamel Herring, and there's a whole lot of people that, you know, seen some stuff that I never have. So, but 
But but I tell you that even even though you say that, um, I still I still think that you should take credit because at yep. you were in a position where um, anything could have happened, right? And so yep. you know, it, it being in that position, uh, I don't think a lot of people realize like that's a that's a lonely place. <laughs> it is, yeah, it really is, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's just one of you know, my dad, he you know, got wrestled. He uh, passed away more than three years ago, but he served in Vietnam, and he was even in a situation like they offered him the Purple Heart. He's like. Now nah, you know what I accept that then I don't go home. He's like then yeah. you get shot and killed for real. So that's I, I'm big on calling it like that. So yeah, I like that. Right. I, I got too much respect for the guys who really seen some stuff that you know they just they that still stays with them. So yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, all right. So and and uh, you did uh, the Olympics in 2016, if I'm uh, correct, and yep. in 2020. So um, how was that experience doing the Olympics? Because um, I know it seems like it's a lot of work, but um, yeah. if you can kind of give us some like wave tops of, of what it is that you were responsible for doing and, and how you played a part in it. Yeah. So it um, to backtrack a little bit on that. So a year before the 2016 Olympics, I started doing um, like TV stuff, uh, you know, like the research. I was called the, the, the historian for like when PBC started doing stuff on Bounce TV, NBC Sports Network, Spike and all that. It was myself, Steve Barhood, Corey Erdman, Marcos Villegas. We were the guys that kind of rotated through all that. So I wound up settling pretty much with NBC Sports and Bounce TV. So with NBC Sports, I built up a very good rapport with the producers, with BJ Flores, with Kenny Rice. And it's funny because a lot of guys on Twitter don't like those two guys, but I got to give both of them a lot of credit because they would have want, you know, when the producer, David Gibson, uh, one of my favorite TV producers of all time, he asked them, he's like, hey, we need a researcher for, you know, the 2016 Rio. And without hesitation, they both said, Jake's the perfect guy. We need to get him on board. Gibby called me up. And then next thing I knew, I was in Stamford, Connecticut, you know, working with those guys. So that was like. I had just started with Pepsi at the time. So I was like starting to phase out from boxing. I got really burnt out. Um, so I was working with Pepsi and then I got that phone call and I had to tell them, I said, look, man, this is, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to do this again. And they were fine with it. They gave me, you know, uh, three weeks leave and it was just something else, man, just to see like the commitment. It's weird because NBC just isn't big on boxing. It's like, they're very big on the storytelling aspect. So just see like the commitment of like j- just watching hours and hours of fights and then just to get these 30 minutes on air. It's it, it, it's a fascinating uh, process, but um yeah, just getting to work with those guys, seeing these Olymp, you know, just getting to tell all their stories, you know, for 18 days. It was just, it's something I'll never forget. And then, like I said, I didn't think it would ever happen again. And then another producer wound up reaching out for um 2020. I was actually supposed to go to, so I like, oh, man, I finally get to be on site because Chris Mannix covered 2016 Rio. He decided he really wasn't going to do 2020. I believe he decided he wasn't going to do uh, Tokyo. So I had a chance to go there. Then of course the pandemic hit. So everything was on hold. And then they still said I had a job, but it was going to be back in Stanford. So it was myself, Kenny Rice again, uh, Sean Porter worked this one. And then David Harmon was our producer. He was with HBO, the zone. He does all sorts of stuff. Another fantastic producer. And um, it was man, it was maddening, man, just working that, you know, third shift. And like, so I'm working 11 hours, plus I'm working my full-time job, you know, at my <laughs> age. So, yeah, not a lot of sleep, but you know, you got to take advantage of these moments because they only come around, well, for us once every four years, every five years, but um, I'm getting to go to, hopefully getting to go to Paris. Otherwise it's probably back to Connecticut for a third trip, but it's, it, I wouldn't trade it in for anything else in the world, man. It's just such an amazing experience. Yeah. And I, I was going to add to that, like um, you being in the position you are now and you seeing the uh the athletes then and then where they are now some of them are right. champions it's that's got to be like an, an amazing like just concept to, to process that right 
Yeah, definitely. Especially like with um, like Larissa's shield. It was weird. It was like in 2016, I felt like, okay, she had already won gold. She was like, she had the chance. So there was only one other Olympic gold medals who had won in back-to-back Olympics. And that was at a time when the U.S. was the only one competing. So she's the only American boxer ever in history to win back-to-back gold, you know, in an international competition. But like she never really became the story of the games. In 2016, it was like, because 2012, we got shut out. You know, the men's team, they didn't win a single medal. So 2016, it was like, okay, now we got a shot to medal, especially that Shakur Stevenson made it further and further. So it was weird that her story kind of got left behind. They tried to push Michaela Mayer, but she got eliminated, I believe, in her second fight in the Olympics. She, I know she didn't make it to the medal round, but um, the narrative seemed to be more on Carlos Baderas and his, you know, family on, um, you know, of course, Shakur Stevenson. Uh, you know, Gary Antoine Russell. So it, it, it was just weird seeing that dynamic. But um, of those guys, like we all believe, you know, Shakur was going to make it. It was just like kind of a crapshoot, like who else is going to make it? Um, Carlos Baderas has actually been the biggest. He, I guess he still has a shot, but it's, yeah. we thought he was going to do a lot better than he has so far. But um, Gary Antoine Russell, it's like we didn't know, okay, is he just another member of the Russell family? But he's, I think he's turned out to surpass everyone's expectations. So, yeah, it was interesting, like those guys at the time. Michael Connell was obviously the big one because of the whole, you know, I'm sorry yeah. to do that on screen, but, you know, but yeah, well, so it, it's. Yeah, it's audio. It, it's an audio podcast. It's all right. Okay, very cool. But it is cool to see the way his career uh, panned out too. So yeah, not, it's just like I said, it's it's cool to see that these guys evolved beyond just being a story. That like there was a lot of substance to their careers. So and we are seeing it in the pros. All right. Um, okay, so we're gonna just go uh, dive right into it. I want to get into that that Stephen Fulton Jr. victory last weekend, yeah. right? Um, I've he put on some type of performance and. You know, I, I know it was not the same time, like right around the same time as the Devin Haney fight, but mm-hmm. I don't I, I think that that people aren't giving him, uh, as they say today, uh, his flowers. Right. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, this guy, he's fought undefeated guys like back to back to back. Um, the top contenders, champions um, and, you know, the who's who in that division. And he just keeps winning and look better and better and better. Like. Yeah. What did, what do you what is your overall thought of Stephen Fulton Jr.'s performance last Saturday? So I'll put it this way: I was covering the Devin Haney and George Campos's fight, and I'm watching that fight. You know, I went into that fight thinking, okay, if Devin Haney gives a spectacular, well, we got to start talking about him pound for pound, pound for pound. I left the night watching that fight, watching Stephen Fulton. I'm like, damn, where do I put Stephen Fulton on this list? Because he he is man, he's just something. There's nothing like when you watch him. It's like, oh my god, this like this guy's gonna be pound for pound number one, you know, someday. But he just finds this way to like, even when he doesn't overwhelm guys, like he just leaves absolutely no doubt against you know, like you said, there's been I think it was three or four guys in a row that just had never lost, didn't know how to lose, and he just he makes it look easy. You know, the Brandon Figueroa fight was a war. That was I, I think I had it a draw. I don't know if that's my little bit of bias towards Brandon Figueroa, but. He's he's proven he is the premier uh, 122 pound fighter in the world right now. So way more than MJ. And it was against the guy that Danny Roman was around the two away from still retaining his title against uh, Ahmed Aliyev. So he, he could that very well could have been our undisputed championship right there. So and, you know, like I said, for Danny Roman to come out of that fight said, yeah, I, I just I got my ass kicked. You know, there's, there's no question about it. That's that tells you all you need to know about Stephen Paul's performance. He's yeah, there's man, he's just. 
it, it's something to him, man. Just it's nice to see him, Jerron Ennis, you know, just this night le- level of talent coming out. You know, Philly is like this club show, you know, fight town. They do produce these guns, but it's like they don't have these big stars. But those two guys, they really have a chance to really run the tables for, for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. Now you touched on the Devin Haney fight. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been like some some real like uh controversy, not controversy, but it's just been a lot of debate uh with Devin Haney, right? There's there's the folks that say this guy, you know, uh, he he painted a Picasso right on uh, on Saturday. But then the others say, yeah. well, it was cool, but, you know, we were kind of halfway falling asleep. And so, you know, he's kind of like stuck in the middle where, you know, he's really good. Um, yeah. But, you know, what is what does he have to do um, to, to really like take it to the next level as far as his popularity and his, and his stardom and everything else, because it just doesn't seem like people are latching on uh, as fast as he would hope. You know, what's weird. So all throughout fight week, like I just saw this look on Devin Haney. Like I, I went out, I haven't seen this in a long, long time. Like he, he's just going to tear through George Campbell. So I went on record saying, I thought he was going to knock him out in like 10, maybe 11 rounds. I didn't think George was going to make it to the final belt. I have this weird theory that I, I, Bill Haney is a, an incredible guy. I, I have all the admiration in the world for him, but I just feel like there's this almost like, okay, Dev, you're in control. It's going to be, I don't know if it's his instructions or just Devin's mindset, but like something about it just seems to be like a safety first approach, you know, coming like he just, he, he did, he put on a masterpiece, but it was almost like he was content with putting on an 11, one, 12, nothing masterpiece. Whereas like, it just, it did feel like maybe there was an opportunity to knock him out. Um, but he just, he made George look silly. You know, George was the guy who he took the titles from Teofimo Lopez. He deserved that decision. That never should have been a split decision, but you know, it's about bad judging is still something we're working on, but you know, he was the legitimate champ and Devin Haney went in there and schooled a legitimate champ. You know, he, he made it look easy. So he, he deserves all the credit. For it. And I think we just have to accept he is this masterclass boxer. So he has power. We saw it in the Jojo Diaz, right? You know, maybe it was just a better style matchup. Like Jojo kept coming to win all 12 rounds, but, He's maybe he's just better than George Cambosis and was able to give, you know, push Devin Haney to that point where he had to, you know, bite down and fight back. But he left no doubt in that fight either. That was a, a clear, it was a competitive fight, but there was no doubt at absolutely, you know, in the end that Devin Haney won that fight. So, so and you know, Jojo Diaz even gave him that credit. So um I, I think here he just realized he could just school, you know, George Cambosis and it, he did. So I'm not gonna say he settled. I don't think that's fair to him. He just he fought the fight he had to do. Hey, I, I, some sometimes I feel like you know uh, Devin Haney gives me Demetrius Andrade kind of vibes, right? Because <laughs> Andrade he's a he's a really good boxer and fighter, but sometimes it's like, dude, like you could have taken this guy out, but instead you just you know take him to the twelve round and win the unanimous decision. And so I don't know if he falls into that same um, kind of like uh lane with with where people might not want to fight him or give them the big fights um and maybe just wait him out and just say okay well he'll be at 140 soon and then we'll just go fight for the rest of the belts yeah i I can't see a lot of lightweights that are going to get to that point you know it's i guess it's kind of a fair comparison to andre i think andre more so he just for some reason gets bored in the ring really quickly he starts off strong and then he's just like you know it's just, it becomes just a Demetrius Andrade fight, but Devin, I think has a lot more awareness. I think he's much more focused, but um, 
you know, we did. We saw that in the Linares fight. And especially I was there ranks up at the Gamboa fight. That was not, you know, he schooled them, but it was like, come on, dude. Like, there's only three reporters here, you know, and a couple of supporters. Like, just knock this guy out. Let's yeah. just, and our night, man, we're stuck in a hotel. It was still during the pandemic. So. Yeah. But I get that. But, yeah, it just does seem like, you know, he's this young, hungry, you know, lion that he he should be capable maybe a little bit. We know he has that power, but yeah. – you know, I I haven't seen him like, especially I won't say that he coasted against Cambosis. So I'm not going to give people, yeah. you know, that that kind of credit. Yeah, no, no, no I, I got gotcha. you. All right. So going from that to uh, Monster versus The Flash, right? Uh, anyway, versus Donaire too. Now, I thought uh, for sure that, you know, Donaire was going to, um, you know, to, it was going to go to distance and it was going to be one of those type of fights. Um, you know, the odds obviously were leaning more towards in a way KO, but that's probably the Japanese um, community like slamming the odds, you know, and 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 uh, and slanting them that way. Um, but but anyway, came out. It was interesting. He said something. He said when he got hit with that left hook, I think it was in the second round. He said it woke him up. Yeah. And I, when he said that, I was like, well, I think he realized that if he didn't get Nonito out of there quick. Yeah. It was gonna. It was gonna potentially end bad for him. So, mm-hmm. um, incredible uh, display of power and speed and mm-hmm. shifting by Inouye. Um, like a lot of people are putting him at the number one uh, pound for pound. But like, what was your overall yep. assessment of Inouye and and how he just like a manhandled Donaire? Yeah. So uh, to your point, someone asked me on Twitter, like, um, I think I, you know, I, I wrote a tweet about the fight that, you know, he just absolutely demolished Nonito Donaire, who's one of my top five all-time favorite fighters. I, it did kind of hurt. I, I like in a way a lot, but Nonito is just, I'm very good friends with him, very good friends with Rachel. So it kind of hurt me to see that, but, you know, just to see him react the way he did made me feel better. But getting back to Inui, someone asked me like, Jake, is he in your top five? I'm like, dude, he's in my top one. Like I, so I had just submitted my, for whatever reason, they asked for a pound for pound list after, you know, Saturday, they said, can you get it in by Monday? So I said, all right, you know, let me let me do it. As soon as that fight was over, I said, Dude, I have to resubmit this. I said, we haven't published this yet. In a way, it's number one. There is now a gap between In a way and number two, as far as I'm concerned. He reminded Cliff Rold and I have been on this on him for the longest time. Like, really, I've watched every fight from his pro debut. I was like, you know, one of those guys watching these. I'm not going to say how I watched it. <laughs> I was able to watch these fights back before, you know, we were able to watch it on his own and legal streams. But yeah, just from winning his first world title in a six pro fight, running, you know, beating the number one guy at 108, beating the number one guy, you know, beating all of our guys at 115, and then just storming through 118 pounds, his third weight division, and he's doing this stuff. He's just something special. Someone made this comparison too. It was after the Canelo Callum Smith fight, where, you know, Ca- you know, Canelo he busted up Callum's, you know, biceps and, let him go 12 rounds. I said the difference between it, so, uh, it wasn't me. Someone else said this. This is the difference between Canelo and Inouye is that Inouye knocks out his Callum Smiths. Like, the, you know, obviously referencing his first fight at Bantamweight, he knocked, you know, destroyed Jamie McDonald in, in yeah. I think 90 seconds or whatever. Then tore through <laughs> Payano, another one of my, he's beating all my favorite fighters here. But yeah, this guy is just, he's been something special for a very long time. And the thing, you know, it was a great point that you mentioned, too, that, you know, he respected the power of Nonito Donaire. He needed the threat to, to remind the world just how special he is. Yeah. Because he wasn't getting it with the Michael Dasmarinas and the um, Aaron Defeans. And so he, he needed this rematch with uh, with um, with Nonito to, to, to remind us that he is he's the best fighter in the world right now. Yeah. And uh, and moving on, uh, quick plug, Hall of Fame weekend, Canastota, yeah. New York, uh, if you can make it out there. 
there's a laundry list of inductees this year. It's crazy. But, um, you know, Miguel Cotto was out there uh, signing autographs today and all that. So if you can get out there, uh, Showbox is running a card. Uh, O'Shea Jones is making her pro debut. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Olympics, so that's that's going to be uh, interesting there. Um, jumping right into Saturday real quick, uh, yeah. Jaime Munguia, Jimmy Kelly. Now, Jaime Munguia is, you know, I spoke to him and I, I gave him the business mm-hmm. a little bit. And, you know, <laughs> he he was, uh, you know, he didn't catch an attitude like that. You know, he yeah. understood that the people were already you know, kind of frustrated there at that yeah. point. Right. And so he's fighting Jimmy Kelly at 165. Um, are, are we, are we even gonna, should we even expect anything out of this one? I, I'd be very surprised if it's good. And it's no disrespect to Jimmy kill Ryan Kelly, but um, I, I did. I liked Jimmy's attitude. He knows everyone's counting against him. And he even said, he's like, you know, for all those aren't give me a chance, you know, F them. And he's like, I, <laughs> I, I like that, man. It's, you know, he's going in with this me against the world attitude, but I, I think the world's going to win this one out. But um, I, I'm sure you could test this too. I'm sure you've interviewed McGee several times. He's one of those guys. But he's another one of my favorite yeah. fighters. He's just such a nice guy. It's like you, you hate to have to hate on him, you know, for yeah. these fights. You know what? It's not his fault, though. It's like, and then yeah. I keep going back. I remind people. It's like he agreed to the Charlo fight. Charlo agreed to fight him. They agreed on the money. They agreed on the weight. He agreed to go to Houston. He agreed to fight on, you know, all these things like it all these things that should make a fight. And then it still didn't happen. I felt that like Munguia is the one who suffered the most out of this because Charlo's career is going to roll on, but you know, Munguia is going to catch the hate, even though it was, you know, Golden Boy and Zanfra are the ones who just completely reshuffled the deck at the wrong time. So I'm always going to support his career regardless. And he knows, he knows that everyone expects more. Yeah. So I, I think he's been very honest. You know, he was very honest with me and pretty much everyone I've seen, you know, your story, uh, Jeremy Harridge's sort of story. He's been very honest with the media. He knows yeah. that, you know, people aren't big on this fight. The bigger fights have to come. Someone's got to rein in Oscar and, you know, Zanfra has to, you know, kind of maybe take the lead as well and realize, look, we, this is guy, this guy does big numbers for the zone. He did big numbers on HBO. He's become the zone, one of the biggest draws on the zone as well. So there's something there. And he has the talent, man. You just, you got to let him loose at some point. And, and I, I, and I'm thinking, you know, in, in the back of my mind, and I'm trying to kind of connect the dots here. I'm thinking he beats Jimmy Kelly. Uh, they upgrade Jan, uh, Janabek. And right. we get Janabek Mungi at the end of the year. Um, Jan, you know, Jan, Janabek, he's he's a champ, but I don't I don't think that top rank wouldn't mind sending him over to the zone, being that that Jaime Mungia's popularity is a little a little yeah. bigger, right? And so there's probably more money there, and in hopes that he he brings the title back to ESPN. That's yeah, not a bad theory. Um, the issue is obviously, you know, that fight was in play once. He could have fought him for the answer. Maybe he is holding out for something bigger. Maybe he wants, you know, once they get to that, you know, um, once he gets through this weekend, it's okay, maybe now we do have the, you know, the, the full title. The problem with Janabek, they have to wait until November unless Andre just completely decides, you know what, I'm not fighting this guy. You know, you can have my title now, but he's, I don't see him doing anyone that favor. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's unfortunate for Jaime because he's back to being this, stuck in this holding pattern. So maybe he... T- you know, the Char- I know the Charlo fight with uh, Seleski will probably get re um, rescheduled. I, I I really hope it doesn't, to be honest, because then I would like to see Charlo say, you know what, screw it. Let's just try to go back there. And But how do you do it? It's like, how do you get Oscar to come to his senses? He's walking around saying he got a, you know, 10-figure offer for, to sell Golden Boy. And then he's saying, Al Heyman is the problem. You know, all these guys are hiding behind Al Heyman. <laughs> <laughs> then he's saying Ryan and, yeah. Ryan and Tang, 50-50. Yeah, Tang's hiding behind Al. Jamal's hiding behind Al. It's like, he can't make any of these fights. It's like, dude, at some point, you got to realize you're the common denominator. So. Yeah. 
Hey, but it's unfortunate. You know, Jaime Munguia should not be used as a pawn in this yeah. vicious chess game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, but before I get into this other fight, uh, I've I heard something about and and I don't know if if you can um you know maybe uh add to it the that Fox is going to be coming back show um with some shows in the summer. Um, have you heard something like that? I, I keep hearing rumors. I I'm getting the sense we're just going to see pay per views for the time being. Maybe like an occasional FS1 show. I think with Fox, it's like we'll get a show on Fox Prime. It's going to be like you know a lead into a, a pay per view event. Um. They were supposed to do. I would have more hopes on Fox making a full comeback if we saw a July 16th date, which we're not going to. That was a big letdown when I found that out. Because um, I remember I heard so when I was in Glendale, actually, um, I could say it now that I was told directly that Jose Benavides was going to fight Danny Garcia. I just couldn't figure out what network, you know, because Showtime was kind of iffy on it at first. I said, damn, maybe that's going to be July 16th on Fox. And then I, I, you know, everyone's like, well, we got this Fox date. We don't know what's going on. So maybe Caleb Plant fight is going on there. And then, like I said, once the, the fight got not, uh, announced for J- July 30th and they went back and asked about Caleb and they're like, we don't know what's going on with that fight. So I, I just don't know what's going on with Fox. And it's unfortunate. Um, yeah. You know, anytime you have a major platform like that, that just decides they're not going to be in the game anymore. It's just it, it kind of hurts the sport. We're on this great run, but I feel like we just need that platform to really take it to the next level. You know, ESPN is there, but the viewers are only responding to the big fight. You know, we saw it last week, you know, Haney and Cambosis drew a nice number. Shakur Stevenson has become a very, very big draw, especially when he fights guys like Oscar Valdez. But then you get back to kind of shows like, you know, I don't know how big of a number Belanga is going to do. Um, a lot of the shows are in the, yeah, exactly. A lot of the shows are in the 400, 500 range, 500,000 range. So, you know, they're not this big master platform that's going to carry the sport. Showtime is putting it the best foot forward, but, you know, last week's show was, you know, they only, drew, I think, drew like 200, maybe 220,000 that got swallowed whole by ESPN. So yeah. I, I I love the way Fox presented the sport. I love the shoulder programming. And you see Kate Abdo is like probably the best host in the sport. So she does such a great job. Sean Porter has made a nice career, you know, through Fox Sports. So yep. it's it, it it's unfortunate that they're not investing more. But, um, yeah, we got the four years. I think it was four years from, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was 2018-19, like three plus years of the deal between PBC on Fox. This final year, it just seems like it's not a time buy, but it does. We're just not seeing anything else. So, yeah. and I, I think that's the way it's going to be for the time being. So, it's just going to be like whatever Showtime isn't interested in, it's going to spill over into Fox Sports. And bleeding into um, some some more uh, like discussion type of stuff, uh, Spence and Crawford. Do you think that we really? I believe that they, that we see it this year. Do you believe that we see it this year? I, yeah, I, everyone, so this time last year, I'd be like, mm, I don't know, man. It's like, you know, I thought maybe Spence was just going to get to Ugas, then outgrow the division and, and move on to 154. And I, I probably would have been fine with that just for how long we've been waiting for Spence Crawford. I, I wouldn't, I mean, like, look, the guy won three belts. He beat three different champions to win those belts too. He didn't win a bacon belt. So, you know what, let him just go to 154 and see what he could do there. But I do honestly believe now PBC seems very optimistic of it. Um, I've seen some very crazy stories that like, you know, they claim this hurdles. They don't know if Kinahan's still involved in, in Crawford's career. But to me, that seems like a lot of old news. Terrence Crawford can't yeah. be dumb enough to get, in, you know, stay involved with a guy where, you know, you're going to pay a $2 million fine to yeah. still do yeah. business with him. So, no, I, I do think the fight's going to happen. I think it's just a matter of whatever deal Terrence could reach with PBC that's going to push this fight forward. I, I'm very optimistic that we see it in November. Yeah, absolutely. In Las Vegas. Yeah. In Las Vegas. Yep. All right. And then... uh 
uh, Artsaberta Bia versus Joe Smith Jr. Jesus, this is yeah. this is like uh, man, it's gonna be a slaughter uh, one way or the other, right? Um, you have, I don't know. The the only thing that worries me about Better Bev is you know he's a little stiff, right? Yep. You know Joe Smith, you know he's not um the 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 fastest guy out right but yeah. you know he can move a little bit and so i don't know like you know i seen joan smith digging up uh uh um uh the holes in the sand in the beach and doing all right. this crazy stuff and better be here with the with the yeah. way but like both of these guys are preparing for war like how how does how does this fight play out yeah, I, you nailed it, man. It's like everyone, I haven't seen anyone yet who thinks this fight's going to go to distance. I, it'd be that, that would be the upset of the year if the judges are needed in this one. It's, um, yeah, Joe Smith, he's just one of those guys. He's always one punch away from ending a fight. That's what's going to make it dangerous. But what's going to make it dangerous for him, I mean, to get hit that many times by Arthur Better Be if that's, that, yeah, I don't know, man. That's, you know, Joe's my boy. I always, I usually go with Strong Island guys. So, you know, I'm going to roll with him for that very reason, but I'm not making an official prediction. Yeah. <laughs> I did on one. Someone asked me before, I said, you know what? I don't pick against Song Island guys. So I'm going to pick Joe Smith by knockout. But, um, <laughs> and it's conceivable. Arthur, you know, better be if has been down before. Yeah. But the flip side to that is Joe Smith is very, very hittable. Yeah. So this is going to be a dangerous, it's, you know, they're both two old school guys. They have this old school approach. They're just brutal. It's going to, it's like boxing porn, man. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> and that crowd, I mean, you know, uh, yeah. I, I don't think people realize, but, you know, Joe Smith with his union reps. Right. And then better be with the Russians like that. That's going to be a packed like house and it's going to be real tense in there, you know, yeah, exactly. on, on, on Saturday night. All right. Yeah. Um, so the um, uh, far down the road, um, uh, Triple G versus Canelo three. Right. This is. I've been excited for this fight, right? Since <laughs> since about two years ago, I kept telling people, "Hey, when when they fight, everybody's gonna be really excited about this." But then, you know, people were shitting on it, and I was like, yeah. "Ah." So, um, what do you think? Are are you ex- as excited as I would say most people are for this third fight? Uh, so, when you put it in that context i'm probably not even as excited about it as you are i because i got to a point i'm like i just don't care about this anymore (laughs) i'm glad to me it just feels like this is something the zone had to do it's unfinished business but the flip side to that is the two times they fought they were two fight of the year contenders so i keep using pacquiao marquez as the the example nobody asked for pacquiao marquez three and especially marquez's one other fight at welterweight nobody thought it was going to be remotely competitive and guess what? It was just as competitive as the other two fights. You know, Pacquiao, to me, I thought that was the one fight that Pacquiao won, if you could say cleanly. I think I did have him winning 115, 113 in that fight. But it's the only fight of the four where I did have him winning it. So, but again, it was, you know, nobody expected, you know, Pacquiao was on this tear. He was knocking everyone out. And then all of a sudden he just, you know, Marquez just reminded him, you know what? I got you kryptonite, bro. So Gennady could still be that guy. I mean, you know, I I don't put too much into it. He did exactly what he should have done against Murata. He started slow, but once he got going, there was no stopping him. And, you know, Canelo coming off a loss. I mean, you know, I'm not down on the fight. That's That'd be very unfair to say. Like I said, I just, I'm not as big as like the zone execs are on it, but I I, I think it'll be very exciting. So I'll actually be at my wife's uncle, aunt and uncle's 50th wedding anniversary that night. Like there are big boxing fans. I'm hoping someone is going to have it on because if they do, I definitely want to watch it. And I probably will wind up at someone else's, you know, house watching it that (laughs) night. But um, I I guess, yeah, I'm glad for the people who wanted to get it done that it did get done. But um, 
Yeah, it was just one of those. It was kind of like on that same plate as Spence Brook, but it was like, all right, either do it or don't. Man. So, <laughs> but that, that's the crazy part. That's how big of a year this is that we could very well get both of those fights. Yeah. So. And, and you know, I'm looking at this fight, right? And um, outside of, you know, just the, the fight itself, from a business perspective, mm-hmm. this fight makes all the sense in the world. You know, these yep. guys both have like fortune 500 companies back in them, you know, they want to have both of their faces on those posters, you know, with those big companies that are going to spend a gazillion dollars, you know, um, at, with ads and all that. So I just feel like when it comes to the business of boxing, this is like the biggest business fight that could happen, mm-hmm. you know, between these two guys. Yeah, I think that's very fair to say. I know that's been the big debate is like, is this fight bigger than Spence Crawford? Look, Spence Crawford is definitely a much, much, much bigger fight against guys like us, against hardcore boxing fans. You know, the true boxing fans and even, you know, some mainstream boxing fans that follow the sport far more than, you know, casual fans. But for those who like they only know a handful of names, yes, Can you know, Gennady, you know, uh, Canelo and Triple G, that's the fight they're going to want to see. Uh, people keep, oh, well, you know, people probably haven't seen Triple G since the second fight. They're not going to care. They're going to hear these two names and they're going to want to watch. Same reason, like nobody knows what Mike Tyson and, and Roy Jones have been up to for, you know, decades. But 1.6 million people bought the damn show. <laughs> you know, that's so it's like I said, when you put these two names together, it's going to attract attention. So that fight will attract more attention than Spence Crawford. But I mean, in my opinion, I think Spence Crawford is the much bigger fight. That's the fight that does far more for the future of the sport than you know, like as I keep saying, Canelo Triple G three is just unfinished business. Spence Crawford is like that's pound for pound supremacy. Absolutely. And now, and then I caught a lot of flack with this along those same lines. I said that Javante Davis versus Ryan Garcia is one of the biggest fights yeah. in boxing, period. Like because of uh their drawing power from two distinct different universes that they have. Um, they are going to do a huge number. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's not bigger than Spence Crawford. Outside of the hardcore fans. Right. And when you start talking about casuals, you start talking about all these big companies that have all these, all these deep pockets. Davis versus Ryan Garcia is the, is the mega fight. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. I think, you know, the people who are making these arguments too, they have to realize it's like, what they want out of the sport is not the same thing. Why of why celebrities are paying attention to the sport. I mean, look at the people that went to, you know, the Tank and, and Rolando. And look, Roly talked up a good game, but that was the Javante Tank Davis show. That was the one pay-per-view where he absolutely sold on his own. I mean, he did it against Isak Cruz as well, but that pay-per-view just didn't track very well. You know, it drew a nice crowd, but it didn't track well. But this was like an event. I mean, the, you know, the first, I know Triller did a show at Barclays, but let's, we don't count that. This was the first real show at Barclays since the pandemic, as far as I'm concerned. And it was, it was the Javante Tank Davis show all the way through. And he did it really without even, you know, Floyd wasn't even involved in the show at all. You know, he yeah. was out doing his own thing. I, I still don't think he he mentioned the fight at all. He, I know they said he wasn't there due to a family emergency. That's neither here or that. But that's the thing that I got out of it, that Tank proved that he can do business with Mayweather, coexist, you know, with that family without having to deal directly with Floyd. So even if there is a conflict there, they can still do business moving forward. Leonard Ellaby has proven he can run that company, that Floyd doesn't have to be there 24-7. And I, I've always felt like, you know, Floyd, anytime he is there, he just kind of, he always went out of his way to take away some of the shine from Tank anyway. So, you know, Tank gets to have these moments. He, he is a legitimate star. And 
people could like I would say like if Tank fought Devin Haney next, it would be uh, it would do better than any pay per view he's done. It wouldn't do necessarily big blockbuster business if Devin Haney fought Ryan Garcia next. You know, it would again same same scenario. But Tank and Ryan, when you put them together, that that is I'm with you, man. That that's the big mega fight to make. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, um, Jake, we we covered a lot of different things here. Um, we didn't. Uh, we'll uh, I'll end it with um, the Puerto Rican Day Parade weekend. And uh, <laughs> that, that I won't be there for, man. <laughs> <laughs> that we won't be there for. But um, yeah. there's a show. There's a show on there. Uh, and Edgar Belanger is fighting against Angulo. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I still don't know about Edgar Belanger. You know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where he's at. Uh, I don't, I don't think he can afford another decision victory, um, because then it's. Uh, the the repackaging is going to take a lot longer, um, and and I think that Xander, you know, has that more of the mm-hmm. organic following than he does. And uh, there was a lot of people that were looking forward to that to that young kid um, fighting that night, and more than they were against Berlanga. Um, do you see, even if Berlanga wins by knockout, do you are are you getting the sense that the that the uh, Hispanic community is, especially in New York, are are receiving Berlanga more than what they're trying to like push on us? That Ah, man, that's, it's an interesting question to ask. I I do think he's, I mean, I've seen him like, I mean, when he went to Florida last year, he he saw that place almost by himself. Granted those guys, you know, the other guys on the card, they did bring fans, but like Berlanga sold every single floor seat. This is like, you know, you know, a thousand miles from home. So granted, you know, Kissimmee, it's like little, you know, it's little San Juan down there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he was a star down there. I, I do think he's a, a legit box office attraction. So I don't know if it's whether just specifically the Boricuas or he he does, you know, Fat Joe's done a lot to, you know, draw some yeah. attention to him. Tracy Morgan's big on him. So um, I also think his, you know, good friend, uh, Pretty Boy Pablo, he helped yeah. out Pablo Valdez. So he has the right following. Um, I, I get what you're saying about Xander. I do think Xander is going to be a future star. I hate it. You know, I know he wanted to be on the show. The good news is he's young enough where he, he'll probably have on the next uh top ranked show on the even of Puerto Rican Day Parade. I, I'm glad that they got this tradition back. Um, the, 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 I think there is something to Belanga's star appeal, but he's he's another, you know, kind of like Jaime Munguia. He's stuck in this holding pattern. You know, the difference is Munguia seems to have the talent where he could compete and possibly win another division title. We're not there yet with Belanga. I mean, he was a lot of people's pick for a 2020 prospect of the year. I think boxing team ended up voting for him as well, just because there wasn't a lot to choose from with the pandemic. But um we, I just can't say, like, even if he knocks out Angolo, it's like, oh, he's going to go fight, you know, like he's going to fight Canelo next or fight De- David Benavides. Uh, you know, I, I don't even know if he'd be ready for, you know, Caleb Plant or even Anthony Durrell next. So he's just not at that level where he's ready to advance from prospect to contender. I think that's the bigger issue. And I think that's where fans are going to start losing interest, you know, especially with the fight like he had the last one. He can't that he absolutely can't have again. Like if he goes out, he knocks down Angulo six or seven times like he did, you know, with. Demond Nichols, I think he knocked him down four times in that fight. Like people weren't mad that it went the distance because he still like he he still acted like the monster that night. So that's the type of performance we need, even if we get just a complete twelve round beatdown. But it can't be anything like it was last fight. It can't be like it was against Cosetes, you know. And again, it's like once he wins, there are going to be hard questions asked. Okay, well you you got it. Maybe you're back. But what's next, bro? So that that's going to be telling. But this event it is selling a lot better than people are giving it credit for. They made it, you know. I know it, they sold some tickets. A lot of res, you know, ver- uh, resale tickets went back on the market, but that's still money in the bank. So, yeah. you know, Top Rank isn't disappointed with the with the gate that's going to come in this weekend. But 
again, you know, the bloom is pretty much off the rose with his career. So I think that his problem is going to be more so moving forward than, you know, what just this weekend. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, that you mentioned Anthony Durrell, I've always felt that that was, that was going to be the fight if they were to, you know, to make it sometime soon, that was going to be like, okay, what do we really have, you know, with, right. with Berlanga? Cause Durrell, you know, he's going to make it ugly in there and he's going to really push you to your boundaries you know, both mentally and physically. So I, I think that if they can still make that fight, you know, before he turns 40, <laughs> then, yeah, you know, exactly. right. then it'll be good. But all right, Jake, listen, uh, yeah. I appreciate your time. Uh, we covered a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, you know, I know you're a busy person. And so I, I definitely appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, nah, thanks, man. It's a long overdue pleasure to finally be on the show, and I look forward to many more appearances if you have me back. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much.